Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. You can check us out at westminstereffects.com and make sure you join the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. We're up to like 126 members now. Nice. Uh, so that's pretty cool. I'm joined in person by... Bradley Cox, one of the pastors at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. And uh, John couldn't make it today, so he is a loser. And we'll just lose without him. <laughs> You're one pathetic loser. <laughs> Any chance we get to quote Dumb and Dumber or reference John Piper, right? So. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so what do we do in church this week? I well, played, I played bass, so I had half of a week off. Yeah. Half of a week <laughs> off. That's good. It was a good Sunday. Yeah. We were in Romans eight, which, oh, which Romans I'm 8. never going to complain about. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much there, man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what was the exact reference? It was, it was right before the, the golden chain. I did 18, 18 through 28. Yep. yep. Um, which was really my second, kind of my second pass at that mm-hmm. section. The first week, we, you know, we talked, the first week in that section, we talked about um, our inheritance, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, that that being our eternal hope and the Holy Spirit. This this is really the, to me, what has jumped out more than ever before in Romans 8 is the clarity that Paul brings to the person and work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've said this the last two weeks. Uh, if you ask a Christian, what's it like to be indwelt by the person of God, the Holy Spirit, right? as a believer? What's that like? What does that, what does that do for you? You know, and I think a lot of Christians, I mean, um, some may think I'm wrong about this, but I think a lot of Christians don't have an answer to that question. Right, right. Where, I mean, you even, I mean, to nerd out, you know, this is my podcast, so I can nerd out as much as I want. Yeah. Uh, where you get to, uh, a, you go back to Augustine, uh, where he's talking about, you know, before you're regenerated, non posse, non picari, not able to not sin. Right. Where now with the Spirit's help, mm-hmm. we are, what is it, posse, non picari, able to not sin. Able to not sin. And the Paul gets really specific about that in Romans yeah. 8, because he says that, you know, the spirit leads the sons of God and the specific, mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't think Paul's trying to be exhaustive about the spirit's leadership in our life, but he he does specifically point out that the spirit leads us to kill the, the deeds of the flesh mm-hmm. or the deeds of the body. So the spirit is always leading me to kill sin, not nurture it. Um, the spirit, it, it's by the spirit that I approach God as father. Exactly. By the spirit we cry. Abba Father. And then he talks about the Spirit really cultivating and guarding our hope in our inheritance as heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And so mm-hmm. when, whenever I feel welling up within me, as I look at the state of the world and, and, and my existence now, and maybe circumstances might tempt me to despair, the Holy Spirit's cultivating this hope that, look, glory's coming. Right. Um, the, 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 every, the kingdom is going to come in its fullness and everything's going to be as it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we've talked about the Holy Spirit's work there. And then we talked more specifically, um, this week about how the spirit, um, 
intercedes for us in our groaning, Mm -hmm. you know, in the waiting and in the longing uh, that we share with creation, Paul says. Even when we can't get out actual words. Even when it's all we can get out is a side, you know, pointed in God's direction, the Holy Spirit is coupling that with intercession, Paul says, that is in direct line with God's will. So that even when all I can get out is, oh God, mm-hmm. in my trouble, uh, because the Spirit is coupling that with intercession, what I, well, the way I read Paul is that what God the Father hears in my groan is your kingdom come. Right. Your will be done. And it's just... it. You know, we could talk about the preservation of the saints right there is how, mm-hmm. what is one of the ways God keeps his saved children saved? Well, he puts his spirit in us who helps us pray in our weakness. And that's a powerful, powerful. You talk thing. about preservation. There was a uh, reformed thug life that popped up in my newsfeed of, of Vody Bauckham talking about, you know, is it possible for a Christian who is truly a Christian to lose their salvation? Um, it, I don't remember the exact verse reference, but the spirit is given as a guarantee. Mm-hmm. The King James Ephesians says, one. Yeah. So the, the, the spirit is given in earnest in the King James. When mm-hmm. you talk about earnest money, where if, if I, sh- if I put earnest money down to buy property and then I don't show up for the closing date, then you get to keep that mm-hmm. earnest money and the property. Mm-hmm. And he, he got around to the point of, when does a Christian lose his salvation is when the spirit stops being God. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so it just kind of wraps up in totality the fact that all of salvation is all of God. You don't contribute anything to it. You don't. uh, Which is ultimately comforting. It is. We might contribute some groaning. Yeah, as as MacArthur would say, if you could lose your salvation... You would. You would. You would. (laughs) And and that's that's so true. I'd encourage folks, I think that sermon podcast will be up um by the time this one airs so mm-hmm. uh check it out the, the resurrection church podcast um our time in romans 8 has just been sweet oh yeah can i prod on one point please just just for the sake of exercise so mm-hmm. you you said and maybe i'm reading it wrong is you said something to the effect of things aren't getting any better and now in terms of the human condition obviously mm-hmm. people are just as depraved as as ever. Mm. Um, and you said you can turn on the news and see just how jacked up the world is. Now, some might hear that as um, you could say a negative eschatology, and I'm not advocating for postmillennialism. I'm not there. Um, <laughs> you want to be I so bad, to. though. I want you to. You want to be so think, bad. I knew this was coming. I think, though, uh, what I could say is that I might be an optimistic Amil. <laughs> <laughs> and how I part of how I get that is the irony in the statement you turn on the news and see how jacked up the world is. We can turn on the news. So in a sense, the world is getting better and we have more instruments to spread the gospel instantly via yeah, TV and internet yeah. and all that. I, I I wouldn't disagree with that. My point was simply that in terms of the the symptoms and the byproducts or the consequences of, you know, Paul says that creation has been subjected to fertility. Right. right. Uh, so the consequences and byproducts of that um, are rampant. You yes. Know, sickness, disease, violence, war, natural mm-hmm. disasters, et cetera, yep. are all symptoms of the futility that creation has been subjected to. And those things are getting worse. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, we, you know, we, you know, like the measles vaccination, we'd pretty much wiped that out. And oh then here goodness. it comes roaring back. Okay. Do you really now, want to get me on a rant about that? No, we can talk about we can talk about vaccinations all day, but what's the point? I mean, the point is, you know, we're not winning the battle with cancer. You know, it's it's you know, people are dying and and sure. uh wars and violence are increasing and Jesus predicted that that would be the case. Mm-hmm. Now, we we might I will agree that the human condition in certain parts of the world in terms of just you know, life, like uh, quality of life, um, you know, I, I mean, like I was on the phone with my mom last night and we were talking about the message from Sunday, mm-hmm. this past Sunday. And, you know, she said, I, I don't think that a lot of Christians, and I think she meant in our context, really know what it means to suffer. That's true. That's very true. And, you know, I, I think back to the story she's told me about her childhood. You know, she grew up as a pastor's kid, one of eight children in the mountains of Virginia and West Virginia, where not only did they not have the money to go to the doctor every time they were sick, doctors weren't accessible mm-hmm. uh, back in those days. And so their only recourse when they were suffering was to turn to God yeah. and, and, and pray for healing. Right. Mm -hmm. When a child was sick and, you know, that kind of desperation before God is something that is unfamiliar to us. Absolutely. Yeah. uh, Because of, you know, the advances in modern medicine. But we can uh, see it coming in the culture. But most of us, by and large, haven't firsthand experienced that. Yeah. But I think the, you know, the one word we could use, Paul doesn't use this word, but I think I think the word lines up with his point in Romans eight. Is entropy. It's this gradual mm-hmm. decline into disorder. Is that you know we see all around us that things are not. Even though you know we might not, um, at least in America, have to you know just rub some dirt on it every time we get a cut. We can go to the doctor. We can get help. But there is this you know in our government, politicians, um, terrorism violence and sickness and disease, I, I see an increase in those things, not a decrease. Sure, sure. I don't think we're progressing beyond them as Deepak Chopra would you know, <laughs> assert by becoming more enlightened and improving our state of mind. Right. At the same time, you could, you know, I think of uh, in Daniel with the uh, dream of the statue with the different yep. kingdoms and then mm-hmm. eventually basically a... a what is it, a stone or a mountain? Mm-hmm. I'm blanking on that. Crushes the whole thing and mm-hmm. then just fills up the earth. Mm-hmm. So there's there's kind of the both and. There's the tension there of of we have more Christians than ever before. Yep. Which, while, you know, unregenerate people hate God, so there's going to be a bigger backlash. So mm-hmm. there's there's definitely a tension there yeah. that I think we can all at least appreciate. Um, well, I think even, we... even though I want to go post-mill. I, I, think, I, think what, I think what we could agree on, though, I think what we could agree on is that, um, you know, as the kingdom grows, mm-hmm. and it is growing. It, absolutely, yeah. You know, we, should, we should acknowledge that. We're not losing. We're, we're, exactly. The, we're not losing ground. Yeah. The kingdom, the church is advancing, and as it advances, you know, it, and Paul talks about creation longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Mm-hmm. So I think there is something to the fact that as the church grows and the kingdom grows, 
and there are more spirit-filled people on the planet, Mm -hmm. that there is some level of improvement that comes as a result of that. Not because we improve our state of mind, but because people are being indwelt by the Spirit of God um, as Jesus advances His church. Exactly. topic today. Uh, So we haven't done a song breakdown in a while, so we're going to talk about Elevation Worship's Mighty Cross. Now I know immediately there are going to be some that say, Elevation, what? Uh, (laughs) Insert Furtick reference here, whatever. Mm. Um, But regardless of of what Furtick preaches or what happens at Elevation, which, I mean, for all I know, they're sacrificing goats on Thursdays. Uh, <laughs> technically, people don't know that that's not going on at Res. <laughs> as absurd as that is, right? Um, My goodness. So, so we're going to take the song for what it is. Is mm-hmm. it true or is it not? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess let's just dive in. Uh, first verse. On the day that death surrendered to the mighty cross of Jesus Christ, the earth would shake beneath the weight of darkened skies. Anything there? Good, bad, I, I love it. Indifferent. I, mean, I love it. I, you know, I think of, um, I think of the contrast there between what many Jews thought that that had become enamored with Jesus. Uh, because of his authority, his power uh, demonstrated through his miracles, and their their thought was, and even this was true even among the disciples, was that he's going to overthrow Rome. Mm-hmm. He's going to ride into Jerusalem and run these sorry Romans out of there, and we're going to be a national power again. Right. We're going to be God's people again, and so the the thought was Rome's going to surrender to the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Right, but but Jesus is bigger than that. You know, he rides in on a donkey, and and you know he's <laughs> he doesn't have a place to lay his head, and he gets executed uh, as a tre- you know for treason basically against Rome on a cross, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know the most humiliating form of death, and and then the the greater enemy surrenders. Right, death surrenders to that that king on his throne, the cross of Christ. Right. I, that's where my mind goes. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm, I read it this way, but could someone quibble with that first line and on, on the day that death surrendered to the cross, hmm. could someone technically quibble and say, well, no, it didn't actually surrender until the resurrection. I'm not um, saying I read it that way. Uh, you know, uh, maybe, maybe you'd have to you'd have to um, kind of stretch to get there. Maybe uh, you, you you maybe. I, I, <laughs> I mean, it is true. You know, the the ultimate defeat of death was on Sunday morning. Um, Jesus mm-hmm. went all the way into death um, without you know uh, you know without seeing corruption. Right, right. Yeah, that's what the Psalms tell us. So he went all the way into death without seeing corruption. He walked through it and out the other side. Psalm so, twenty-two, to be specific, right? Exactly. Which is what Jesus quoted yeah. on the cross with, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" Which you know, insert right here. If, if you if you want to know, like I, I've always been fascinated with uh, the 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 
pointers we get in Scripture to how Jesus felt mm-hmm. at different points in his earthly ministry. How did he feel? What was he? What was going through his head? You know, we know he's fully God, fully man. I don't believe that Jesus was able to sin, even though he was tempted in every way that right. we were. Right. Uh, he fully took on flesh. He he, he entered into cursed creation. Uh, and into the fall without succumbing to the effects of the fall, uh, which is it's, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around, but I do think that's important for us to know. Yet at the same time, I wonder how he felt. And Psalm 22, I think, is a window into how Jesus was feeling. And at the same time, as he hung on the cross, and at the same time, reminds us that Jesus was always rooting his thinking and his feeling in the scripture. Yeah. You know, which is so fascinating to me that in his, what you might say, his darkest moment, his most painful, you know, moment uh, during his earthly ministry, he is quoting the Psalms, which is like, oh man. Yeah. You mentioned uh, he wasn't able to sin. I just listened to a podcast uh, by Crisis Center. I'll put this in my recommended today as well. Of and and it gets deep. It gets heady. It's and it's titled "The Creator Creature Distinction in the Hypostatic Union." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so talking. What'd about, you call me? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so talking about you know the godness and the manness mm-hmm. in the one person of Jesus. And uh, it was it was really helpful. They, they made the point that if if Jesus had been able to sin, he wouldn't be God. Well, that that that's what I was going to say. If 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 you're struggling with trying to wrap your mind around the incarnation and Jesus being tempted in every way as we are, without sin, and then but how could he be tempted? Truly tempted if he wasn't able to sin? Well, he's fully man. And so he can be truly tempted, but he's mm-hmm. fully God and he can't cease to be God. You know, that's right. the right. Philippians, uh, you know, where Paul talks about he was in the form of God. Mm-hmm. That word means his essence, his very essence is the divine son of God. He's, he's using some specific Greek philosophical language right. to kind of describe the concept. Yeah. Which, that's a that's a great passage to walk through in the form of God, the likeness of men. Mm-hmm. He really looked like a man. And then in the form of man, he was really mm-hmm. a man. Yep. But form of God, form of man. In one person. In one person. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't an historian where we've got two persons and two mm-hmm. natures. It was two natures, one person. Which in my, in my mind, that's why I say, I think the incarnation is the greatest miracle. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, verse two. <laughs> We've gotten on some <laughs> rabbit trails. I'm okay with that. Uh, on his brow, a crown of sorrow for a king whose weakness was our strength. No word he spoke. His love was shown for all to see. Uh, yeah, that's pretty legit. Cause you mm-hmm. think about uh, the crown of thorns uh, at least growing up for me, a lot of times in that uh, '90s, let's make everything nice mm-hmm. Christianity. You think of they would basically show a crown of thorns that would look like uh, maybe thorns on a rose bush, where it would be unpleasant, mm-hmm. but it's not like excruciating. Right. But you, but you know, researching what was actually done is like those thorns were like three, four inches long, mm. probably got down to bone. I had a conversation with my 10-year-old daughter um, during Holy Week about the crown of thorns. Mm-hmm. I think it actually, you know, I'm not re- I don't really remember what spurred it, but um, she, for the first time, 
like began to imagine. Yeah. Okay. This was, and I, and I was telling her, you know, these are not, you know, little half inch or, mm-hmm. or even, that's pretty big, I guess, but a centimeter thorns like you'd see on, I, I'm like, these are big thorns that they shoved down into his head. Yeah. And you could, she almost went pale just mm-hmm. thinking about that. That's, oh yeah. Um, and the, and the irony of so much in the crucifixion mm. of, uh, you know, they put a robe on him, a purple yeah. robe at one point to yep. mock him. They put a crown, albeit of thorns on his head. Mm. Oh, well, that's the king of the universe who, mm. while also in that crisis center podcast, they made the point of even in the manger, Jesus was upholding the universe by the word of his power. Hmm. Same thing at the crucifixion. Same thing when he was dead in the tomb. Yeah. He was still upholding the universe by the word of his power. So there's tremendous amounts of irony there. Yeah, that's right. And then, you know, for Pilate to put king of the Jews right. uh, over the cross, you know. I he, mean, he was not wrong. He was not wrong. <laughs> not wrong. But uh, I love Jesus's. The you know I think of the the passage in um, Mark I believe it is when Jesus is about to wash their feet mm-hmm. the disciples' feet and it says knowing fully who he was yeah you know I don't think you know I I know that Jesus is upholding the universe by the word of his power in the manger um, but I do think there was a growth in awareness right you know right. that he experienced as he matured. Um, as as a human being uh, and and who he was and and you know what he was there to do and that's that's where the whole God man thing like that's just gonna blow it our just minds. blows We're our minds every time wrap our I, minds around that completely yeah and and I think we should really relish the fact that we can't right um, not despise it but yeah he knowing fully who he was he bent down and washed their feet mm-hmm. knowing fully who he was he opened not his mouth. Yeah. Um, you know, Pilate did push him to the point where he said, look, you know, if, if I want to call angels, bro, <laughs> um, th- th- this, this, this could, this can go down, um, yeah. you know, and you'd have no power over me if it weren't given to you from above. Which you talk about sovereignty. Yeah. Like, is it Acts 4 or Acts 7 where they're, th- they're saying, yes, all of this was predestined by God, including the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. And, um. You know that even that gets in, into being mind blowing, mm-hmm. like the God of the universe saying, "I can take you out right now, but I'm not gonna. Well, I'm gonna. I'm gonna have this all go exactly how I want it to." Well, Jesus, Jesus is the epitome of meekness. Mm-hmm. There, and you know, people hence, often, hence the no word he spoke. <laughs> exactly. I mean, people often don't understand that word. What does it mean to be meek? It's not weak. Certainly, it's right. not weak. Jesus was not. Weak in the sense that he had no ability mm-hmm. uh, or lacked power, mm-hmm. but meekness is strength under control. He chose weakness. He yep. he submitted himself. He became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, uh, by his own choice, by yep. his own will. <clears throat> and um, you know that that's what to me makes his sacrifice all the more beautiful. Is that he could have stopped it, right? Um, but he didn't, right? And I'm sure uh, that very last phrase, "His love was shown for all to see." I'm sure there's going to be a couple cage stagers, 
who, mm. who quibble with the fact that it doesn't get specifically to penal substitutionary atonement, mm. which is a which I think is a non-negotiable. Mm. Um, but there, there's no denying the love of Jesus was displayed Absolutely. on the cross. Whether or not that love is specifically directed towards, you know, all those who stood there around the cross, right? Right. I mean, right. you know, that is a negotiable. That is. is limited or unlimited atonement. That's right. It, it, but regardless of whether or not you believe limited or unlimited atonement, mm-hmm. the love was on display. Exactly. So, okay. So, chorus. So, we'll just do this once okay. <laughs> instead, of, instead of four times or however many times <laughs> they do it. So, one, one of the things I do like about this song is it is they have two really, really down verses before mm. they get to that chorus. Yeah. So they you could almost say there's some exposition before yeah. they get to the overall theme. It flows like a hymn. Yeah, it does. It, I was definitely going to mention that mm. once we get to the third and fourth verses. Um, so the chorus, Oh, the cross of Jesus Christ is the reason I'm alive, for his blood has set me free. There's your substitutionary atonement. Yep. Um, it will never lose its power for me. You've got death to life. Yep. Uh, Ephesians 1 and 2. You've got um, substitutionary atonement. Um, I think you could even get into, now I'm sure it wasn't intentional on their part, I think you could get into particular redemption and irresistible grace. Absolutely. Um, Whether they meant it that way or not, which I'm sure they didn't. Mm. Um, However, if Jesus is the reason you're alive, then that means that he is the primary cause. Primary cause. He he made it happen. He did. He did. And I I think it's always interesting to me how, you know, I talked a little bit on Sunday about how Christians need to avoid incoherent theology. Mm -hmm. And a lot of Christians will celebrate, he's the reason I'm alive. Yes. Amen. Let's let's play that tape out and talk about what that means. Exactly. Um, You know, I think sometimes our songs have deeper, richer theology than we know how to talk about. Exactly, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I would agree with that. He's the reason I'm alive. His blood has set me free. Okay, I was a slave to sin, mm-hmm. uh, in bondage to that. There's, I could not set myself free, but his blood did that for me. Yep. It broke the power of sin over my life. Uh, and then it will never lose its power. There's preservation right yep. there. Yep. I mean, I... I, I am never going to, there's not going to be one millisecond that I'm out of saving fellowship with him. Right. Because his blood is that powerful. Right. That that seems to be a recurring theme today for some reason. What is the, is the deal? I'm, I'm okay with that. Mm. Uh, so, uh, third verse. Now the dawn of resurrection floods the night as hope prevails to shine. Salvation wakes our chains to break and we arise. Uh, I'll tell you why I love that. All four Gospels begin the resurrection account with on the first day of the week. Mm -hmm. So there is, N.T. Wright talks a lot about this. I'm not a huge fan of N.T. Wright. We could, that's another trend to run down, but... uh, But Surprised by Hope is a legit book. It's a legit book, and, and his emphasis on the new creation, Mm -hmm. Right. God created everything in six days. I'm, I'm, I, I tend to be a literalist with that stuff. I sure. know that there's all kinds of debate, but 
there's it, something it, else we can disagree on. That's today. It, there you go. <laughs> but but at the but very okay. least, the picture of mm-hmm. God's creative work was six days He labored, yep. seventh He rest, mm-hmm. He rested. So six days He labors, um, He rests on the seventh. Jesus dies on Friday. There is a Sabbath pause on Saturday, and then on the first day of the week, he rises from the dead, inaugurating a new creation, yep. right? Yep. And that that's why that verse gets me every time. Um, salvation wakes, our chains to break. We arise, the children of God. I get, I'm getting chills just talking about it. children of God, <laughs> right? That the, the, the sons of God that creation is groaning and longing for. Right. For for order to be restored, um, that is inaugurated when you know Christ comes out of the tomb. Um, it's just it's a great verse. Mm-hmm. I think I had never really thought about the phrase "floods the night." Mm-hmm. Uh, the dawn of resurrection flooded out mm-hmm. the night, flooded out darkness. Flooded oh, that's out good. Death. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that had never really struck me until right now. Usually, I'm just kind of hanging out waiting to play guitar part when that part's up so (laughs) i'm trying to not make noise because i don't play anything on that (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's good i like that yeah uh so i guess the bridge which for some reason is labeled as verse four in our chord sheet which irritates me but that's neither here Mm -hmm. nor there um and it's it's pretty simple straightforward hallelujah hallelujah christ my victory hallelujah hallelujah he has won for me Mm. Um, I wonder one, how many people know what hallelujah means. Right. You're, Several. You're, at least 10. At least 10, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like I was watching the news the other day and they were interviewing some lady that was talking about several Americans and it was she was meant to say, you know, thousands of Americans, but she said several. It was funny. Anyway, sorry. Edit that out, John. <laughs> Keep it in. Uh, <laughs> I wonder how many people, Christians, really stop and think about what hallelujah means. Praise Yahweh. Mm-hmm. And in every language. In every language. It means pray, the God who is. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it, it just when I when I sing Hallelujah, anytime I say Hallelujah, I try to I try to remember that I'm I'm praising the God who was, who is, and is to come. The God who doesn't have a plan B. Yep, He's always on plan A. He's sovereign. He's ruling. He sees the end from the beginning. He always accomplishes his purpose. His word always bears fruit and increases. And I'm His child. You know, it it there there's just such we 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 ought not say hallelujah flippantly right and so to come to this point in this song and the church to cry hallelujah mm-hmm. is a really big deal yeah and you know talking about how it's in every language i was going to shout out my brother-in-law tyler and his new wife evelyn later but i'll go ahead and do it now so congratulations i hope you're not listening to it on release day you have better things to do on your honeymoon than listen to this podcast <laughs> um but you know, she comes from a, a Russian family. So, uh, when they got engaged, they had a, in the, in their church service, they basically presented them to the congregation. And, and one of the things was everybody in the family gave them flowers and she's just like two armfuls of flowers. So that was kind of cool to see. Awesome. Uh, but the, the sermon would be a line in Russian translated into English. Mm. And, and obviously I have no idea what, 
the guy saying in Russian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have to keep up with the guy in English. But then when he drops a hallelujah, mm. you don't need a translation for that. Isn't that sweet? Yeah. So it's, so it's you know, the whole every tribe, tongue, mm-hmm. nation, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get into uh, one other thing in this bridge is he has one for me. Mm-hmm. So particular redemption again. Yep. <laughs> like yep. it is it is efficacious yep. for those for whom it was intended. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and when you personalize it for yourself, you, you understand like, yeah, I, I was in that. Mm-hmm. That's so. right. That's right. It's a very um, Christocentric song. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, we, we, all of our relishing, um, you know, is, is, is rooted in our, our view of Christ and our focus on Christ is that he is our treasure. He is our joy. He is our hope. He is our, um, our, in him we live, move, and have our being, right? And yep. so there, it's not selfish to say that Christ is my victory. Absolutely. It's not selfish yeah. to say that Christ won for me because any, any, you know, and Piper talks about this all the time, any more than it's selfish for me to tell my wife, I want to take you out because you make me happy. Right, right. Okay, I am treasuring her by, by pointing out my joy and mm-hmm. being with her. So my joy in the victory that Christ won, my hope, my my um my life, you know, yep. being in his victory is it's not selfish to celebrate that that way. Yeah, even Spurgeon, you know, the prince of preachers, um he said if if you forced me to summarize the gospel in four words, I would say Christ died for me. Mhm. There you go. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's a lot to theologically unpack and <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. with, with, you know, everybody knows Spurgeon was perfectly orthodox, mm-hmm. so he could perfectly explain Christ died. And then for me, mm-hmm. and it would all end up making sense. Yep. Even, even though if you're in an evangelistic conversation, you probably say more than that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so fourth verse, this is my favorite part of the song. And this is when you started jumping around oh, a few man. weeks ago. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, uh, on the day he comes in glory, to reveal the fullness of his reign, our hearts will bow before the sound of Jesus' name. Uh, so there you go, positive eschatology. Oh. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, to reveal the fullness of his reign. He's already on the throne. Already on He's the throne. already reigning. Um, and it's just fully revealed and uh, really, oh, what's the word? It's not commenced because that's beginning, right? Uh, would be um, consummated. Consummated. Yeah, there we go. Um, so yeah, it's 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 full now. I think every Christian should be very familiar with this phrase already, but not yet. Yes, I think we should. Uh, every believer needs to have a real sense of how that statement informs our current reality. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, and I root my thinking about that in one place in scripture would be where we were Sunday, Romans eight, when Paul talks about, we have the first fruits of the spirit, the, the Christian experience in this life is in many ways, like an appetizer before the main course. We are enjoying, we, we, we taste now the, as Psalm 16 says, the fullness of joy in the presence of God Mm -hmm. and the pleasures forevermore at his right hand. But one day we will experience fully and forever. Yes. 
that joy and those pleasures in his presence, mm-hmm. right? When, as Paul says in Romans 8, the redemption of our bodies right. comes, which is going to be one of the things that happens when Christ comes in glory to reveal the fullness of his reign, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's a reason why Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come. Like we're we're still asking for the kingdom right. to come in its fullness because it is already, but not yet. Right. Um, and I think that first, those first two lines of verse, whatever verse we're on, I don't know, four, four. Yeah. Uh, point to that fact. Um, mm-hmm. and then at that consummation, all hearts will bow before the sound of Jesus. Yeah. name. You, you will bow or you will bow. <laughs> you can bow or you'll bow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you, you even think, um, there's such a double entendre here when he comes in glory for for those who are in Christ. Right. That's that's an incredibly positive day. Oh, man. Um, but so often the day of the Lord, you look at the prophets. The day of the Lord is judgment. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's also included. We're not really thinking about that because right. it doesn't really apply to us. That's right. Uh, in that sense, uh, but that's definitely true, and and that's part of the reason that I tend to not skip those verses when I plan out our scripture readings in church. Like we right. did, uh, we did Psalm part of Psalm 73. It's really good. And, and it's, it's not very quote unquote inspirational to hear. Yeah. Those who <laughs> are far from God will perish. They will. Um, but, but it's, you know, if, if we were far from God, we would have perished that's and right. that's, that's the road we were on until God saved us. So we, so we need to be reminded of, of the entire truth of the gospel is you don't get the good news without the bad. Right. And we, we need to carry that with us all the time, don't we? Because for the sake of our own joy in Christ, we need to remember that there is a good news, bad news to the gospel. Right. And then also for the sake of the urgency of our mission, while we mm-hmm. are here until the day Christ right. comes in glory, that there is a good news, bad news situation. And, um, so yeah, I think that's important to remember. Um, and I think this song, the emphasis here is mainly on the church. Exactly. Yeah. But, um, there, there, there should be something in the back of all of our minds. Um, maybe not the back, but the front, but you know, there is a world that's dying and we're called to go and make disciples. Exactly. Can't forget that. Exactly. Does God run out of patience? How do we bridge the gap between understanding and application of Scripture? How do I deal with my kids who have left the faith? Does God forget our sin? Join the discussion on all these topics and more on the All 7 Days podcast, where Stan and Trevor, Stan's my dad, by the way, in case you're new to the program, uh, take your questions and answer them from the perspective of a couple of church members just having a conversation about spiritual matters, uh, also featuring... Me. <laughs> about Occasionally. Once, about once a month, and you uh, you, you discussed uh, my super awkward question. <laughs> we did. Yeah, so that, that was a good episode, though. That was uh, dropped? Even, even the original one, yeah. Okay. Uh, the original episode, too, was, was really good, uh, where, where I asked, um, hey, when's a, how do you leave a church with the disclaimer, no, I'm not considering leaving Resurrection. <laughs> you better not. Uh, you're not getting out of here alive, buddy. Yeah, seriously. 
so subscribe to the All 7 Days podcast today on Apple, Google, Spotify, Overcast, and more. And hit up all7days.com. And they uh, also have a pretty cool Facebook group. for this week <laughs> we'll get a kick out of this one Tom Dugan asks Paul Washer sermons how do I get him to make me feel better <laughs> <laughs> I think my wife asked me that not that long ago it's like yeah man that guy just makes you want to crawl in a hole yeah and and there you know you can you know there are some areas where I think he definitely goes a little far I think that you can make a case for that. But at the same time, the guy's heart is for you to love Jesus. It is. And he went so hard at it that he basically had to take a year off from traveling because he had a heart attack. You so, know, I, I look at the, uh, you know, you look at the whole of scripture and, you know, God throughout human history, he, from time to time, he's had, um, and I hope people don't get nervous about this term, but he's had prophetic type voices. Sure. Of all types, right? right? And there, there are some that that come with very encouraging news, and then there are others that mm-hmm. don't, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was, you know, I think this passage got talked about on your dad's podcast, you know, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, where it talks about I know the plans <laughs> I have for you, and and people hijack that scripture, yeah, and turn that it into, a, you know, just the the quintessential Joel Osteen sermon. Yep. Um, and that's not what was going on because, you know, the children of Israel were in bondage. They were in exile. And there were these false prophets going around saying, hey, we're not going to be here that long, guys. Don't worry about it. God's going to come jerk us mm-hmm. out of here real quick. And Jeremiah's response to that was, no, that's not what God's saying. <laughs> You're going to be here like 70, 80 years. I can't right. remember the exact number. Um, but remember... God is saying, I know the plans I have for you. Mm-hmm. So it's like there, there was... A Both bit of individually a, and corporately. Exactly. There was a bit of a good news, bad news situation mm-hmm. going on there. And so Jeremiah had to deliver the bad news, right? The the hard, you know, I, I, I wonder if sometimes people are like, oh, here comes Jeremiah. How, does, how do we... How do we make this guy make me feel better? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, um, so Paul Washer is kind of like that for me. And uh, I think... I have every reason to believe that he contributes really good things to the body uh, absolutely. of Christ. And, and honestly, you know, we kind of get looked at that way by some camps, mm-hmm. uh, by the, the squishier evangelical camps where they want happy clappy. Mm-hmm. And we're like, no, the gospel is repentance and the forgiveness of sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a repentance aspect that has to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like what Anselm said, you haven't yet recognized the weight of sin. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that's interesting, and I don't know how many people listen to this podcast that are in teaching, preaching roles in mm-hmm. their local churches, but I'd be curious to know uh, any that have made the switch from topical mm-hmm. sermonizing yep. to expository. Yep. You know, one of the things that I noticed when we made that switch uh, many years ago was that the preaching got a little heavier. Yeah. There's, there's a seriousness to the Bible. You necessarily have to have to deal with things that That's right. you could easily skirt around with topical preaching. It's not that the Bible's not encouraging, but there's a seriousness 
to the meta narrative of scripture that you can skirt around mm-hmm. by jumping around doing topics here and there. But when you work your way through an entire book of the Bible, you're going to get the whole you're going to get the whole buffet yep. Yep. of joy in God and hope and victory and and then also the seriousness of sin and the judgment that's coming. You're going mm-hmm. to get that when you teach expository. Yep. So here's here's another fun one from Uriel Ortega, uh, who I've actually met in person. Uh, what the heck does glory to glory mean? Uh, so I'm assuming he was referencing 2 Corinthians 3.18. Mm-hmm. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed in the, into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Uh I guess my my amateur crack at that would be uh, we all possess some amount of glory simply being made in the imago dei mm-hmm. in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when when the eschaton <laughs> arrives, I, mm-hmm. I just want to use big words today. Um, I'm not tired anymore, so I can use big words. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> use it. Uh, so when uh, Jesus comes to reveal the fullness of His reign. Uh, those whom he uh, justified, he also glorified. Mm-hmm. So we will receive our resurrection bodies, mm-hmm. which are similar, but more glorious. They're not mm-hmm. breaking down anymore. Yeah. Well, I think, I think you're right. Um, I think there, there's a level of glory in the Christian experience, isn't there? When, for example, a, a person who has come to saving faith in Christ has been filled with the spirit of the living God um, and is as Piper would say bringing God glory mm-hmm. through being satisfied in God right God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him so when when someone who is finding their satisfaction hope and joy in God goes through a period of suffering mm-hmm. and even in that suffering not because of it and not in spite of it, but in it, they have joy because they have joy in God. They are bringing God glory, right? Mm-hmm. And the glory of God is being revealed in them and through them because, you know, as Paul would say, our present sufferings aren't worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed in us that we now taste the first fruits of. Yep. And so we are we are progressing towards glory. Right. And there are little tastes of that glory along the way as we go through suffering, as we experience uh, even intimacy in marriage, I think is a reflection of the glory of God. And so we, I think that's what Paul's talking about is that, that step-by-step progression uh, that gives the indications and the taste of the glory that is to come, that when, when, his, when the fullness of his reign is revealed, so too will be the fullness of his glory mm-hmm. in which we will share. Awesome. Uh, Here's one from Justin Tenkate, which I think we'll probably bump to next week as well. What is the proper meaning and application of catechesis in the modern day Western church? <laughs> next week. Next week. Uh, fantastic question. Though. Great we question. Could, we could probably even turn that in a, into an entire episode. We could talk. Honestly. We could. We might have our next two episodes. Pot and can't, can't, <laughs> I can't even say the word. <laughs> You, you burned one down before you came in the office, right? <laughs> Can we smoke weed before we record the podcast and then talk about it? Oh, my goodness. That's why there's Taco Bell in your office right now. Uh, uh, last one from Brian Morris. Uh, this one will be a little lighter. 
what, well, maybe not. What passage of scripture has been blessing or challenging you the most lately? Oh, my goodness. I'll go ahead and go. Go. Since you're making your, your size. Uh, this is actually from our scripture reading that just kind of hit me last week in Psalm 73. Whom and I, whom have I, mm-hmm. I can't talk either. I'm, I guess I'm high. It's contact buzz. Um, <laughs> whom have I in heaven, but you, and there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Mm. Uh, just reckoning with the fact, you know, gaining the whole world, but losing your soul kind of thing. You can mm. tie that in, mm. um, where, uh, God will supply our needs. Ultimately, our only need mm. is himself. Mm. Uh, even if we starve to death, he gives us what we need, which yeah. is himself. Yeah. I, I, the first one that comes to mind, because it's really recent, uh, there's so many that have been wrecking me in the last several months, but the most recent would be Matthew 28, um, the Great Commission. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I've been reading Matthew just in my personal devotions and mm-hmm. um, really been loving that. But I, the thing that really has challenged me recently was the passage where it says, you know, in Jesus, they went to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. This is right before the Great Commission. <clears throat> and he met them there and it says, and they worshiped him, but some doubted. Mm-hmm. So, so there is the risen son of God meeting them there on a mountain he told them to go to. <laughs> and there's people doubting with him right there. And they're worshiping, but they're, I think they're, you know, it's this, it's, it's conflicted worship, isn't it? It's like they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're they're looking at the risen savior and they know who he is. They believe that, you know, he is who he says he is, but they're, I think they're kind of going, what the heck is going on? <laughs> right. You know, what's, what's, what, what have we just been through in the last 40 days you right. know, since his death? And, and he, and into that conflicted worship, he tells them two things, two promises uh, that are, that sandwich the command we know as the great commission Go into all the world, make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. It, the, the promises are all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Right. So into their conflicted worship, he says that. And then he bookends it, the, the commission with, and lo, I'm with you always. Right. So I've got all authority and I'm with you. So go do this, conflicted worshipers. Uh, in my name, teach even, them to even obey. Even within your confliction. Even within your confliction. And I that just resonated with me uh, in so many ways because I, I, I don't know about you and, and I don't know about our listeners, but I find myself in conflicted worship at sure. times. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I think uh, we all do. One of the interesting things in the Great Commission that goes back to the catechism question is Jesus didn't say, go and get people to raise their hand and pray a prayer. Exactly. He said, said, teach them and not just teach them to believe in a It was teach them to obey, obey what I've commanded you. Exactly. And I'll tell you an interesting study is go back through Matthew. I'm I'm in the process of doing this right now. Go back through Matthew and look at the, how, what the commands are and how many of them there are from Jesus in the gospel of Matthew. There's 14 (laughs) in chapter five. Yeah. You know, things like when, when you're persecuted, rejoice. Okay. So I've commanded you to do that. So Mm -hmm. I'm trying, here's part maybe of the conflicted worship that's going on in them is I've commanded you to do this. So I'm trying to live out just myself, what Jesus has instructed me to do. Right. And now he's telling me in the wake of all that's happened, 
his death and resurrection to go teach others to do the same thing. Right. Right. And on what basis, what possible basis could I even remotely find the courage to go do that? Mm-hmm. All authority has been given to him and he's with me. Yep. Very cool. Uh, recommended for this week. Matthew 28. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about a book. Matthew 28. Go read the gospel of we'll, Matthew. We'll link to some ESV Bible on Amazon. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so for me, speaking of speaking of Bibles, mm. I am recommending Lifeway's physical location liquidation sale. Oh, really? Yeah, because they're closing all of their physical locations going exclusively online. Mm. So um, the restaurant where my brother-in-law's rehearsal dinner was was sharing a parking lot with Lifeway. So I bumped in there and was 10 minutes late to the rehearsal dinner. Nice. Did you find some good <laughs> I, stuff? I picked up uh, the works of John Bunyan. Awesome. Um, a, a threesome, like a three-in-one thing of Francis Schaeffer. Good uh, deal. Sing by Kristen, Keith and Kristen Getty and an ESV Bible with n- minimal footnotes uh, where uh, Jesse Harper and I are this infancy stages um you could even say fetal stages uh-huh. <laughs> like it's so new we're we're kind of resurrecting the every other week saturday morning mm. men's bible thing and i was like Love if, it. I, if i'm gonna lead any discussions i don't need notes and my yeah. scribbles all in my bible so there you go. i got one where i can just be like there we go i'm not touching it have you seen so. keith's new bible that thing is crazy, isn't it? <laughs> so he got he got the I don't know what it's called, but it's, I think it's interleaved or something. Interleaved. Like. So it's got a blank time. page beside every page of scripture. Yeah. And that thing I think it weighs fifty pounds. You could kill somebody. With you it. really could. It's huge. <laughs> um but yeah, that thing is and the leather. Oh man. The leather feels incredible. It does. Um so yeah. Lifeways liquidation sale, go pick up some discounted uh resources. So follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. You can also support the show at anchor.fm, and you can donate money and help us to improve, which that's coming very shortly. Uh, First five people who pledge to donate $10 a month for a year get a Piper Drive V2. We're up to four of those now, uh, thanks to Lee Harrison for being our newest supporter. So we have one more of those left. I'll come up with some other promotion uh, for the other tiers, because we've got a dollar a month and five dollars a month also available. Don't um, we have Batman su- supporting? Yeah, us that now? was Batman. That yeah. was Batman. <laughs> yeah, he had. That's how he had Siri set up to address him. Yeah, and he uh, he paid with Apple Pay, so that's <laughs> so why Batman. it said Batman. Yeah. <laughs> so we need him. Is he a is he a Westminster artist? I guess I could make Batman a, a Westminster artist now. No, I'm saying like he could he could get on one of your pedals and do the Batman theme song or something. Oh, and that's we could true. Play that that's for the true. Outro. There we go. There we go. Uh, but yeah, make sure you join the uh, Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook and go to WestminsterEffects.com. I'm actually leaving you with a song today, which is uh, Westminster artist Wolves at the Gate with their new song, The Cure, which I think I don't have confirmation yet, but I think features a Spurgeon Paul Reaver. Nice. I think. Uh, So yeah, thanks for listening.